either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Sort of a light week at the movies, but some definite awards contenders that we'll look at. Welcome into the screening room. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we're from MadWolf.com, and we'll start out with a movie that's actually in consideration for Oscar nominations for animation, for documentary, for international film, and who knows, maybe even best picture. It tells the extraordinary story, true story, of a man, Amin, on the verge of marriage, which compels him to reveal his hidden past for the first time. It is Flea. Well, this movie is just magical, really. It's amazing. It really is. And I've been, over the weeks since we've seen it, I have been really uh, glad to see it pop up on a lot of year-end lists. It was on ours, of course. It was, yeah. Uh, which makes me think it has the possibility of being considered maybe for overall best picture. Probably not. But uh, as we said, certainly best international, best uh, documentary, and best animated feature. And it is Flea, F-L-E-E. And it is director Jonas Rasmussen. And basically the entire movie is him talking with a man going by the name of Amin. That's not his real name. Uh, going by that name and telling his life story, uh, as as the synopsis says, he seems to be compelled to do that because he's on the verge of getting married. And he just tells all these secrets, uh, the, the life that he has led, basically on the run since he was a young man uh, in the 1980s when the Mujahideen took power in his native of Kabul, Afghanistan. And he's been basically on the run ever since, and the, the movie to hide his identity, because he still feels threatened, which is one of the heartbreaking things about this movie. Um, it hides his identity, obviously through the pseudonym and through animation, because you wonder, why would you do a documentary with animation? Well, it's, I, I, I'm guessing, I don't know for sure, I'm guessing that director the director might have preferred live action, but this is another way to honor his request to hide his identity. Although they do use his real voice, which is great because it really adds some some intimacy to these to these uh, set pieces, and they basically recreate through animation these events through his life and how he came to the point where he is now. And some of them are they're they're horrific, they're heartbreaking, they're haunting, and he wants to tell his story. He he wants to give respect and give thanks to all the people in his life that have allowed him to be where he is today, to make it this far and to be on the verge of this happy moment in his life. But he's, he's still haunted by the people that uh, in his family that didn't make it, the people that were on this journey with him that didn't make it. And it's an amazing film, and it because obviously the, the refugee crisis is, is something we hear about a lot, but it's, it's so hard to put a face to, an intimate face to, because it seems like such an enormous problem. You can't even get your head around it. Right. You know? And here you see a very intimate take on it. I mean, what this man has gone through, it's just you, you cannot imagine it. And it's such a contrast, too, because how, how are we conditioned through our lives to feel about animation, right? Yeah. Very fun. Exactly. You know, animated. Yeah. Oh, it's family stuff. Not here, boy. Not here at all. And so that's a contrast. And then it's it's an also an incredible contrast because at the same time, you feel the 
I guess, the sense of relief that this man is unburdening his soul. Okay, so that's a good thing. You can tell he's been waiting to do this. It's a relief. But at the same time, he's tentative about how is he going to begin this new chapter in his life without all these things that basically have defined him through this entire existence. These secrets. The these, secrets these that have secrets. defined him. Yeah. Sure. It, it is amazing. And then uh, the director, Rasmussen, does use every now and then very well-placed moments of live action, including the very last shot, which I, I won't even attempt to, uh, even. I don't want to spoil it in any way. But uh, it's, a, it's just a beautiful movie. It, it, you should see it. Of course, it's not a, a feel-good story, but it's a hopeful story. And um, it is uh, now getting a wider release. We saw it weeks ago, and it was as, as we talked about it before because it was on our Best of the Year list, which it certainly is. And I'm very eager to see it uh, hopefully get nominated for, for all these awards. All the Oscars. All the Oscars, because, man, <laughs> and it so deserves it. And, of course, anytime you get a lot of nominations, that means you're going to get more eyeballs. Right. And this one really deserves it. And uh, it's out now in, in a, more theaters across the country than it was before. It was released earlier to be in time for award shows. I don't think it's hitting streaming yet. Uh, it's still, you got to see it in theaters. But boy, it is definitely one of the best of the year in so many categories. And it's F-L-E-E, Flea, available in a wider release in theaters now. Next up, another movie that could get international feature uh, consideration at this year's Oscars. It's the latest from Pedro Almodovar, the story of two mothers who give birth the same day. It's called Parallel Mothers. It wouldn't surprise me too much to see Penelope Cruz also get uh, an actress nomination, but boy, she's good in this She's movie. so good, and if you are familiar with Almodovar, it'll come as no surprise that Penelope Cruz is in this movie. Right, exactly. <laughs> but you're right, she she is good in a in a different type of role, and a, a very interesting movie, the way it shifts tones. And a lot of times, filmmakers can have a, a hard time with that. All of a sudden, it's a different kind of movie than what you thought it was. And this one goes in a different direction, but boy, he really pulls it off because it's got some interesting, almost uh, nighttime soap opera kind of melodrama to it, but underneath, he's got some really serious themes he's thinking about. You know, and it's funny because he returns to, to a lot of themes across so many of his different films, but there is so much about the plot itself that feels like one of his, like, wild, raucous, over-the-top, you know, wacky comedies, almost like Women on the Verge, you know? There's so much going on that you're like, wait, what? What's happening? That it does feel like a nighttime, it's like a telenovela. And he teases it, like, do you, and, and sometimes with, like, the score, you think to yourself, is this going in a Hitchcock direction? Because it could, <laughs> yeah, right? It could, is this going could. in a zany comedy direction? Because it could. Yeah. He's such a masterful filmmaker, that he's able to sort of touch on those ideas, but the, the story itself, the film itself, it is like it's very intimate, and it's and it takes what's happening very seriously, not with a heavy hand, but the whole thing is contextualized with, I think, as you said, themes that he comes back to often of resilient women and missing men, and mm -hmm. it winds up being a really tender, lovely story. Yeah, and not only about, he starts out with these two mothers, an, an older mother who didn't expect to get pregnant at her age, played by Penelope Cruz, um, Janice, and then this very young, what is she, 19? 17. Or so, 17. Anna, played by Milena Smith, 
And they're basically in the same, they're right next to each other in the hospital. So they, they, they uh, share in the same room. room. Yeah. yeah, in the same room. So they become friends that way and keep in touch uh, and, you know, share the, the trials and tribulations of being uh, new moms at very different points in their lives. And then a twist happens that's very, oh, and that's when you think, oh, this is, this is the main thing about this movie, this twist and how they're going to deal with it. It's a secret. And is it going to get out? And how is it going to affect everybody's lives? But then underneath, you've got this a subplot about history yeah, uh, and, and missing history that needs to be filled in, dating back mainly to the Spanish Civil War. And that's where, as you mentioned, about missing men and, mm-hmm. and filling in blanks in people's history. So you've got these two different themes that somehow, maybe in, in the way we're describing them, don't sound like they would go together, but they do. They really do. And, I mean, everything that he does is so beautiful and, and well-structured, well-crafted, this is not, I don't think this This is, I think, your typical Pedro Almodovar film. But at the same time, it has got his thumbprints all over it. Yes, and of course, part of that is Cruz. And uh, she is, she's she's fantastic she uh, in this movie. And I, I hope she does uh, get some get some consideration because it certainly would be deserved. As uh, a Smit is very good, too. Yeah, as, she really is. She cuts mother. an interesting figure and she has a very interesting arc. Yeah, because their relationship has an arc. It does. Uh, where it goes, especially depending upon this secret and whether uh, this secret that Cruz has is true or not and what she is going to do with it. And then um, what becomes of these uh, th- this, histor- this history project that she's involved with as well. So obviously we are trying not to say too much. <laughs> but yeah, be- because you don't want <laughs> you don't no, want to spoil any not, of it. Not at all. But uh, it's it's fa- it's a fantastic film. And this one is also out in theaters now. And uh, did it, well, I, I, it must have opened in time for awards consideration. I would think so. Yeah, New that, York and LA. Yeah, that's what happens a lot in January, especially in late January. You start seeing a wider release for some of these movies that are actually movies from last year that get awards consideration. This one certainly could. It's another good one from Almodovar and once again starring Penelope Cruz. And it is called Parallel Mothers. We liked it. Next up is a comedy that looks very familiar to us here in Columbus, Ohio, because that's where it is set, and that's where it was filmed. Uh, Charlie and Lisa, two divorced parents in their 40s, uh, find themselves at a midlife crossroads. Both are single parents, and they have four complicated teenagers. It's they, them, us. I'm not interested in monogamy or a relationship. The last thing I want is a serious commitment. This is way too fast and totally crazy. You asking me to move in? This is going to be our new home. I don't want to live here. You don't want them either. Stop trying to be the peacemaker. Dad just makes us hate you more. You do realize getting drugs in the mail is a felony. It's from Oregon. It's legal there. Sometimes I worry that I'm not wild enough for you. You, sir, know nothing of wild. You're so tense. What are you afraid of? Never <laughs> get scared. Just drop the bomb. Don't mind my dad. He just wants to be liked. It's his fatal flaw. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is from director and co-writer John Sherman, who, full disclosure, who we know uh, here in town. He's a 
very big member, obviously, of the Columbus film community. But uh, but this one, uh, yeah, was filmed here and it's set here. And so that brings a nice feeling for all of us here in CBUS. But we're looking at, you know, film goers everywhere. And I think they'll find a lot of charm in this movie. Yeah, I do, too. It, it, you wouldn't say to yourself it's a local film. It doesn't feel like a local film. And it's beautiful. It really shot. It is. is. It is a gorgeous movie to look at. And it's also so fun. So it takes the same kind of idea of the, of the classic Lucille Ball sort of blended family Yours, mine, and ours. Right, with Henry Fonda from 68. And then that was remade, I believe, 2005. Right. So, yeah. Rene Russo. Yep, and Dennis Quaid, yeah. Right. Uh, But it's just, it's not that it's it's not a remake of that film by any means, but it's the idea of a blended family. Your sort of Brady Bunch Mm -hmm. situation where you've got... Half a family, half a family, and they come together. And uh, but it's very modern. There's lots of different, very, <laughs> very lots of different things to consider with this blended family. Yeah, there's it's 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 so fresh in that way. You know, it it really is, and it's also so full of charm. Joey Slotnick, who you'd know if if you don't know the name, you'd know the face. Oh he's yeah, he's been around for very much. That, that guy, guy. he's yeah. a that guy. Yeah. He's the lead. The character, I feel like the character would be tough to nail, and boy, he does. He's just so endearing. He's so likable, and he tries so hard. (laughs) He does. You just love that about him. He just tries so hard. Also, I think the teens, so Lisa has two... He has two, and the the at the first dinner where they're introducing the teens to each other, and the two of them are like, "We don't want to live here," and the other two, <laughs> "We don't want them to live here either." The, yeah. All four, I think, of the performances of the teens, really, yeah. really good. His partner is played by uh, Lisa Hargreaves, who you might know from Homeland if you're a TV watcher, and she has a lot of other roles as well. But uh, yeah, they they get together in sort of a. The Columbus kink community. Let's let's put it that way. <laughs> which, which we didn't know there was no, one. No, <laughs> no. And, and and he is a bit of a, a newbie, and she's not. And of course, it's one of those things where they first say, "Oh no, I don't." Last thing I want is a long term commitment. Next thing you know, they're living together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the kids are having to deal with this. They don't want to deal with this. Uh, one kid is a stoner. Uh, <laughs> one kid is is uh, identifies as non binary. And there's just a lot of different modern, very yeah, modern very. things to deal with. Um, and, it, yeah, and uh, he is. He's very endearing because he, he works at this Ohio Christian University where he's not especially Christian. He's kind of faking it because yeah. he needs a job, yes. right? And, uh, the, and so there's some funny things there with his students and uh, his superiors as well. So lots of crisscrossing um, things pop up uh, in, this, uh, in this blended family. And it is funny. I mean, it's not gut-busting funny, but it's, it's charming. It's consistently charming it's consistently and funny. And you charming. know what I was surprised by? Because he does, the film does touch on a lot of topics that you just don't see in films. You just don't. You right. certainly don't see in comedies. But it has, it's just sweet. And not only, You know, I mean, you don't see a lot of bondage-themed films right. that come off as sweet, but this really does. Right, and, and not only that, but it, it stars two people in their 40s, you know, that don't look like Chris Hemsworth and Halle Berry. Nothing against these people. We don't know. They look like normal they people. Do. Uh, you know, and across the board, I think that was something that I appreciated about the movie. Is And again, that feels very modern. It yeah. just it's, it, They didn't go out and just stack the cast with supermodels. They mm-hmm. look like people you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so check it out. I think uh, you'll find a, a lot to like in this movie, and it'll give you a nice view if you're not if you're not familiar of our home here in Columbus, Ohio. So, so come visit sometime. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so that is out now in select theaters, and it hits streamers next week. All right, they, them, us. Got a documentary next, examining the illustrious 60-year career in the entertainment industry 
the enduring legacy of one of the icons of 20th century popular culture. This is Boris Karloff, the man behind the monster. He was the consummate character actor, a character actor who became a star. He was a very, very interesting, complex man, but he's always an outsider, always feels he doesn't quite belong. You'll never get rid of me, Toddy. I think there's an enigma. There's a real mystery at the heart of Boris Karloff, and no one's quite cracked it yet. Certain actors bring the camera to them, and Karloff had that power. Been looking forward to this one. Oh, yeah. So this is a, a new documentary on Shudder, and given that the last documentary we we saw on Shudder about folk horror oh, was man. one of my favorite things I've seen in in years. So cool, yeah. I was very very eager to see, and and of course they also did Heart Noir last year. I mean they really mm-hmm. they 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 deliver some really excellent documentaries, they and do. and I'm all for it. And I love Boris Karloff. Who doesn't yeah. love Boris Karloff? Yep. And so it is nice to spend about 90 minutes uh, just sort of rehashing not only the things that you're familiar with, of course, Frankenstein, the whole Frankenstein franchise, and Seuss, yep. right, and The Grinch, mm-hmm. but, but uh, you know, all of these movies you maybe forgot about, maybe never knew about, because as you say, he, he made movies for 60 years. 60 years. And one of the things I didn't know right off the top was his, his heritage, his ancestry. I didn't either. I, I didn't know whether that he's not came from where you think he did. Right. No, I did not either. And I also love hearing not just from historians and not just from sort of film scholars, but also from filmmakers yeah. who were so profoundly impacted by him, especially as, of course, Frankenstein. So right. no no uh, surprise, Guillermo del Toro. No surprise. No. Yeah, he's all <laughs> over this. And and he's so, he just gushes when he talks about watching the two you know, Frankenstein and, and Bride of Frankenstein, it was almost a religious experience mm-hmm, for him. Mm-hmm. And then Joe Dante, another favorite of ours, and he he clear, he could catalog everything, everything that, that Karloff had ever been in and what was good and what was bad and what his performance was like. So that was always fascinating. It was interesting. You hear from a lot of recently, uh, of people that we have recently lost, including... Bogdanovich, mm. who directed Target. Yes. Which was such a great movie, mm-hmm. such a perfect film for Karloff at that point in his career. And then also some of the things that I, you know, sort of was not familiar with myself was he loved, Boris Karloff loved TV. He loved live TV. And he loved, because it was so close to being on stage to him, right? You didn't, there wasn't like a take and a take and a take and a take. You really had to do something with the audience right then and how how much he enjoyed doing that and, and uh, how much he impacted early television, mm-hmm. which I did not even know about. Right. And he just seems like he comes off as just a lovely man. I, I would say one of those uh, proper British gentlemen, but he wasn't British. <laughs> but but he, he seemed like yes. that. Just yeah. seemed like elegant. a kind heart. Yes, yes. elegant. And, and humble. He comes off as very humble. And they, they catch him. On uh, this is your life. He was surprised to find himself on that program one time, and and he clearly did not like being on that program. <laughs> but at one point, they bring out Jack Pierce, of course, the amazing makeup man who, with Karloff, created the monster, yeah. which is f- for a lot of people, myself included, the single most iconic image of horror films. That is, especially of the early Universal, but I mean across all of horror. I could see the, that. Yeah, Jack Pierce is Boris Karloff's mm-hmm. Frankenstein monster. And he just, the way he talks about Jack Pierce, it's so lovely. Mm. It just is so lovely. But there's a lot, particularly about his his personal life that I didn't know. He's married like five times. And yet, the film definitely feels a little bit superficial to me. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it didn't um, dig much into, it's, it's, 
It just does. It feels like a, a listing of you could probably have figured out a lot of this on your own from a little research and some Wikipedia. Yeah. So I was hoping to get, I don't know, more about anything, honestly, about his personal life or about his film career or about even what drove him to to help to found the Screen Actors Guild, which he did do. Yeah. Um, it's enjoyable. It just it's not super eye opening. Yeah. But it will give you uh, some tidbits, some bits of info you didn't know, but sort of like a maybe a primer. But uh, if you're already a, a big fan, maybe, yeah, you'll be left wanting just a little bit. But still definitely worth checking out, uh, especially if you have Shudder, for sure. Uh, and it is called Boris Karloff, The Man Behind the Monster. And we'll wrap it up. Yep, it's a light week. Wrap it up with a thriller. One church, one priest, a wounded man, and his loaded gun. It's a thriller playing out in real time during one night where a vengeful confession must take place. It's called Confession. There's someone here you haven't told me about. The door in there it was open before I locked it. Why didn't you tell me? You had a gun to my head. Take one more step, and I will put a hole in your skull. You can spin this any way you want. You're not fooling me. Her strings are being pulled by something far greater than her. She's a liar. She's dirty. It's me who's discovered the truth. You're just standing in my way. I'm not here by chance, Father. Everyone is born good. They just lose their way. Don't turn this around on me. You've hit your side. Last chance, Father. This feels like a lockdown movie to me. It does. But uh, Cole Meany, I'm always interested in what he has right. to do. I mean, he's a character actor that I've almost always enjoyed in films. And you know who else we see? Our Claire Hope Ashati from Children of Men. She wow. was I know. Wow, Where wow, has wow. she been? I don't know. You know, and I looked at her uh, her resume. She's done a lot of TV, mm. but just things that we haven't seen. I'm like, oh man, that's her. Nice. Yeah, but it's a very limited cast in a very minimal, like one building setting. So yeah, it makes you think, okay, this is probably a pandemic production. We've seen plenty of those. And in addition to that, it's very talky. So all those three things together, you think, I bet this was based on a play. Sure. It's not. No. It's not. And that makes the construction and how it plays out a, a little more curious uh, because the director, the writer-director is David Benton, uh, and the main star is Stephen Moyer from True Blood. Right. He plays Victor Strong, who stumbles in to this uh, church, Father Peter's church, and he's bleeding, and he's got a gun, and he wants to confess. Now, Cole Meany is Father Peter. It's it's tense, obviously, and they get to talking, and we start to learn a little bit about each of them, and and uh, and get the setup, and it's a decent setup, and and they handle it well, um, and you get you know you get, understand the stakes. He is obviously maybe dying. He's uh, had some things happen in his life, and he's got a daughter that he wants to free her soul by confessing everything, so that she knows his past and all that. So. Uh, they think they're alone, but they're not, because pretty soon you learn that he's a he's a hunted man. And Willow, played by Claire Hope Ashety from Children of Men, she's there, too. She's got a badge, she's got a gun, and she's got a very different story about Victor and what led up to this moment. So there you've got different sides to the truth. So the point is, how are we going to get to the real truth? And unfortunately, we get there just by telling, yeah, just by talking. That's it. The setup gives you some options. You could get ambitious and you could do a Rashomon type Absolutely. of thing. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. Or you could just do some simple flashbacks. The point is, it's a movie. It's It should be visual. Right. Exactly. Okay? 
Um, that's why I was talking about and thinking about, well, is this based on a play? Because if you're just going to tell us, it's going to be a play. And it's it's hard to pull off. Now, it, it is possible. You know, just earlier this year, we saw Mass. Fantastic film. So good. That is so talky. And it's it's all telling. So it is possible. But, boy, it just makes it that much harder, especially when you've got a thriller. Mass was not a thriller. Right. This is, we want to see some action. Yeah. What's happening here? And you get... A little bit of action at the end, and a couple new um, characters pop in uh, toward the end where the secrets are revealed and you find out what's really going on. But it, it just comes down to the fact that you're you're telling us instead of showing us. And that is just, it, it takes away an element which could have made this more thrilling sure. because this is a thriller. And when you get there, you're just like, ah, it just someone's telling me mm-hmm, a story. Mm-hmm. And it's just not as thrilling when this is a visual medium. So I think it's got some... It's got some potential there, especially early. I think the setup is pretty decent. The, the performances are decent, but there's just too much telling and, and not enough showing. But that is a bargain watch, uh, just $3.99 on Prime right now, and it's called Confession. All right, that wraps it up for this week's releases. Let's head to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Back in the lobby where we've got the heat cranked up. It's all nice and cozy. We're ready for some knowledge from Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the schlocketeer who just had a birthday. Happy belated birthday. Oh, thank you. (laughs) But you're giving us the gifts. What do you know? Well, I've got a lot of moves this week. But first up, RLJ Films has scooped up a comedic detective film called Last Looks that stars Charlie Hunnam, Mel Gibson, Clancy Brown, Marina Bassarin, and Dominic Monaghan. That'll be hitting VOD and limited theatrical release on February 4th. Then on February 18th, we've got the festival darling horror film The Cursed, which is, I believe is a bit of a werewolf thing. Um, that's hitting theaters nationwide on February 18th. So another big release horror movie on the horizon. Yay. So that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, MGM has postponed the release of 13 Lives from mid-April to November 18th. And uh, that's based on the 2018 cave dive rescue of a junior football team in Thailand. I don't oh, yeah. know if you remember the news surrounding that one. Oh, yeah. Well, they just had, you know, that documentary about it, The Rescue, has a good chance of being nominated for a, a, an, an Oscar, Oscar this, this year. year. Yeah. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. It's a fantastic <laughs> documentary, yeah. Ron Howard has made a movie about it, and the cast includes Viga Mortensen, Colin Farrell, and Joel Edgerton. Apparently, they had a test screening of it recently, and it tested through the roof. So instead of getting chucked into theaters in April, it's getting moved to next award season. Wow, yeah. yeah. Well, it is. It's an incredible story. Oh, it's and amazing. Th- that might be smart maybe to put some distance behind it, because if, if yeah. The Rescue does get nominated, then maybe put a little distance behind that's it. That's a hell of a cast. It is a great cast, yeah. And then Hidden Empire Film Group has pushed back the release of their horror movie, Fear. That was going to come out in early March, and now it's not coming out until May 13th. And there's, of course, I don't. I don't think there's a couple of uh, postponements here that I don't think are really so much to do with the pandemic as they are movies running away from the Batman. Um, <laughs> yeah. Universal has also moved Downton Abbey two from March 18th to May 20th, and then Paramount has moved a bunch of stuff around um, this past week. First up, they added a release date for a movie called Blazing Samurai which is a family-friendly animated comedy inspired by Blazing Saddles. Wow, <laughs> um, family-friendly. <laughs> right. Okay. 
<laughs> that's hitting theaters on July 22nd. So uh, somehow I doubt that the line, excuse me while I whip this out, is going to be in the new one. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> well, Samuel L. Jackson is one of the voices, so maybe it will be. <laughs> I want to well, hear him say it. I want to hear him say it, too. <laughs> <laughs> That kind of took the date of the different animated movie that Paramount had in that same slot called Under the Boardwalk. That one's been pulled from the schedule. Uh, it just hasn't been redated yet. I imagine they'll probably put that out in the fall. And then Paramount has also moved up the release date of their Owen Wilson and Michael Payne as superhero comedy Secret Headquarters by one week to August 5th. Pivoting slightly, Universal has pushed back the release of their comedy Bros., to September 30th, and that was previously set for August 12th. Why has it moved to September? Because Paramount has postponed Mission Impossible 7 and 8 yet again. Yeah, for a a while, right? Yeah, uh, 7 was supposed to come out on September 30th, and 8 was going to follow on July, in July of next year. Now Mission Impossible 7 is going to come out July next year, and 8 will hit June in 2024. Um, The official reason they gave was repeated production delays due to COVID. What that means is, my guess is, Seven needs some additional photography. And since they're basically making these back-to-back, they don't really have time to do any reshoots until after they're done shooting Eight, which is filming right now. Hmm. So I'm guessing, you know, they just need an extra 10 months to shoot and edit any extra stuff that they need to do for either film. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Different kind of backlog yeah, of the pandemic. Yeah. And that's about all I've got for you. All right. Well, that's a lot. We appreciate that. And you can always uh, get the latest. And you can follow Daniel on social medias at The Schlocketeer. Thanks again. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, well, this week, a quiet week. Looking ahead, next week, not so much. We've, uh, we up the uh, quantity next week with Moonfall comes out. Jackass forever. Also, the worst person in the world. Now, this is another one that might be up for uh, an international feature uh, Oscar. This is very good, so we'll talk about that next week. Also, The Wolf and the Lion. Sundown. You've already seen that one, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, The Long Night. Last Looks. Air Doll. Slapface. I feel like you've mentioned that one before. Has this been postponed? I feel like you've mentioned that before. That's going to be, anyway. Slap face. Uh, the last thing Mary saw is out next week. And polystyrene, I am a cliche. All right. Some interesting titles here. Yes. I've never heard of some of these. I'll be interested to see how they play out. But that is next week. In the meantime, what do you think about anything uh, this week? Definitely some Oscar contenders. If you want to keep the conversation going, uh, we love that. You can find us on Twitter. That's easy, at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it is Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club with a brand new episode out this week where we talk about our favorite horror films with meatloaf that's our new fright club podcast you can find all of that at madwolf.com so keep in touch if you can look forward to uh, getting together next week until then stay warm she's hope madden he's george wolf and this is the screening room podcast see ya i do wish we could chat longer but i'm having an old friend for dinner bye Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.